You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Morning, everybody. I know, I know, this is, this is the crowd that we didn't make the early service because we forgot to set our clocks. But just kidding, just kidding. You know what, I, I gotta be 100% honest. I, I've never been a big fan of this day because I feel like daylight losings day that's what I lose something. It's got to at least be nice outside. It was cold. Anybody cold when you walked in? Like, that's not spring. Spring ain't forward. Spring is not here. Anyway, whatever. We'll get into today. Hey, everybody. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, my name is Darren. I'm the student pastor here at Kingsway. Uh, real quick, before we get into everything, a little bit of housekeeping. After our sermon, after a little bit left at the very end, don't get up and walk away. I know it's, it's tempting to get out and move. Matt's got some important updates. He's gonna get up on stage and share those with you here in just a bit. So uh, today, as we get into our conversation, we're gonna be in Exodus chapter 34. So if you have a Bible, feel free to open it up to Exodus 34. We're gonna jump around for a minute and then we're gonna get into everything. But as we walk through this conversation, I have to start us on a, on a basis that we've gotta remember, okay? Number one is this, I am sinful. I'm a sinner. Like, I'm not perfect, and maybe you could probably say that to yourself as well. Nobody in this room, nobody is perfect. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, if you were to follow me around for even like an hour, you'd probably notice my sinfulness. If you were to spend a day with me, you would recognize my uh, tangents, my problems, my brokenness. You would see very quickly that I don't have life all put together. And we have to remember that it's the same for Moses. Right? We have to remember as we're reading through this text that Moses, by all accounts, was not perfect either. His story is very interesting even as it starts out, but then as he grows up, we recognize early on in the book of Exodus that he sees one of his fellow Hebrews being beaten by an Egyptian and Moses takes his life. Like He's not perfect. We oftentimes, when we're reading this, we, we don't necessarily like to think of those things, but you gotta recognize this very, very, very clearly. It is in Jesus that I am made complete, right? It's in Jesus that I'm made complete. It is not my own doing. And so as we read through the story of Exodus, we understand very clearly, very clearly that God is in the business of broken people. That means that it's not just about my story. It's not just about Moses' story. It's about everyone in this room. We all have a story. We're gonna get there today. Today, as we finish out our journey through Exodus, I'm simply gonna ask you to focus on one thing. If you miss everything else today, grab this. We want you to draw near to God. That's it. Very simply put, we want you to draw near to God. It might not be as easy as it's stated, but we want you to draw near to God. We believe and truly understand through the story of Exodus, through the story of the Bible, through the understanding of Jesus coming, that we have a story to tell, but that only happens if we draw near to God. Regardless of your past, God wants to use you in the present. He wants to draw near to you. He wants you to see the fullest potential of your story. James chapter four, verse eight tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God. That's the focus. If we don't have anything else, if all hope is lost, we have hope in Jesus Christ. 
I've loved grabbing my Bible over the past few uh, weeks as many different uh, members of our staff, friends of ours, have stepped up and done some video teaching to help us walk through the book of Exodus. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back and check it out um, on our YouTube page. But we've done some daily devotionals walking through each chapter of the book of Exodus. And I've been challenged, I've been pushed, and I love the fact that everything that we read is a focus to help us see that God wants to be a part of our story. Uh, it's so complex, but as we walk through this, we have to go back a little bit. We can't just start in 34 because we have to understand why the context of 34 exists. So you go all the way back to chapter 20 and you find that we have the 10 commandments, right? The 10 commandments, Moses has been given the 10 commandments for the next 12 chapters. God and Moses are together. They're spending time with each other. They're connected in ways that I wish I could be connected to God. And as they walk through these conversations, finally in chapter 32, God looks at Moses and says, oh, by the way, while we've been up here hanging out, doing our thing, loving life, the people of Israel are down at the base of the mountain. They've built up and made a golden calf and they're currently dancing around crazy and worshiping this thing. Good luck. In essence, God was upset. Moses steps in, he intercedes on our behalf, a great depiction of what Jesus looks like in the Old Testament. And then... Moses, we get to see what happens. In chapter 32, verse 15 and 16, it says, Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. Check out what happens in verse 19. This, it hurts me, right? Anybody ever lost something valuable in your life? It hurts Verse 19, when Moses approached the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. His anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. Now pause real quick. Potentially the most valuable thing to ever exist in history. Moses just threw on the ground. We have to understand there's a lot going on here. I wanted to look at Moses and be like, bro, no. Ah! I don't know even know words and things and stuff. I have little boys with cars. I don't make the crashing noise. Put down the tablets. Don't break them. They're important. They're necessary. See, these are the laws that the people are going to follow for the next 1,600 years. There's more weight to just pieces of stone. This is God's actual handwriting. I mean, I look at this conversation and I'm struggling because the people really, they don't even know what the rules are to follow yet. In fact, the first one to actually break the rules is Moses. Because he broke them, broke the rule. Dad jokes, come on y'all, come on, wake up, good morning. Um, Recently, uh, my wife and I, and then also our staff too, on a different day, we got to go to the um, Newfields Museum and see the Van Gogh in that 3D style experience. It's mesmerizing. The beauty of what happens, it's just, it's just mind blowing to see and experience it in a completely different way. I love the fact that they're trying to reach the next generation with artwork that people aren't necessarily going to visit anymore. And it got me thinking like, you know, I wanna own a Van Gogh one day. So I looked up how much Van Goghs are. 
if anybody's got a spare like 35 million, <laughs> let's talk. I, I probably could find way better ways to use that, but you know, we could have a conversation. At a minimum of like $35 million is what sold for auction, upwards into the multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. That's, that's expensive. These tablets were priceless. And you just let them go. That's where we pick up in Exodus chapter 34. Because Moses and God got to have a, 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 an intentional experience together on the mountain, building that first set of uh, commandments. But we gotta do it again. We gotta do it again. And so here in, this, in the midst of this, Exodus chapter 34, verse one starts. It says, the Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. I, you know, did God take a long pause there for a second? Like, did Moses have to sit in his own like, ah, oh, man, whoops, that's my bad. Again, another part where Moses is broken. I often picture this as like God, like a teenager. Anybody have a teen or know a teenager or been around a teenager at all? You'll find out real quick there's a little bit of sassy and a lot of know everything. If you're a teenager in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I wonder if God in that moment was like, hmm, I'm gonna treat him like a teenager because he acted like one. Whatever. Which you broke. He could have said everything else without that, but he chose to say that. I love reading this. It gives me an understanding that God recognized how valuable that was. And I love the fact that God, in the midst of everything that's going on, doesn't hesitate to start over again. Right? Maybe he added a little a jab, uh, which you broke. But beyond that, he doesn't mention it again. He starts the process over again. Why? A couple of reasons in my thought. Number one is because he wanted to spend time with Moses. Just like he wants to spend time with us. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The second reason I think that this was intentional important, sorry, I'm breaking things, is that God recognized that his people needed direction. And all of us in this room, we can learn a valuable lesson to understanding the weight that comes with drawing near to God and seeing just how far God will use us to write his future story. I'll keep going. I can't preach forever on this one verse, so let's keep rolling. Verses two and three says, be ready in the morning, right? God is giving expectations to Moses as to what to do again as he comes up to the mountain. He says, come up to the mountain, present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even flocks or herds may graze in front of the mountain. It's just Moses and God. It's just Moses and God. God's presence is powerful. We're gonna find that out here in a second. I cannot stress enough how important this is. Regardless of what was or what is in your life, what is to come, no matter what happens, you desperately need isolation with God. It needs to be a priority. Let me say that specifically. Isolation with God needs to be a priority. It needs to be a priority. Are you taking time intentionally in your day to spend moments with God? Moses is going up on the mountain, regardless of whether he recognizes it or not. It's 40 days and 40 nights, no bread, no water, a supernatural experience with God. Have you been there? Have you seen what God can do in your life? 
Have you experienced God's presence because you chose to spend direct one-on-one time with him? Our lives are busy, right? We can all say that. We're busy. We've got things going on. We've got expectations from work or from a boss. We have specific requirements from our family or our spouses. So many different pieces that are actually happening all the time that if we are not intentional to spend intentional time with God, to isolate ourselves away from everything else and spend time with him, then it's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be natural to draw near to him. Our priorities can be off. Our focus needs to shift a little bit. Guys, we have to recognize, and I think we all understand, the world is broken. It's been broken. It will continue to be broken. Those expectations will still be there. The weight will still be heavy. That's why Jesus tells us, if you've got heavy burdens, right? If you're tired, then come to me and I will give you rest. Stop trying to carry it on your own. Stop trying to live it out and control everything around you. Spend time with him. And what better example of this than Jesus himself? So many times he got away from the the situations that he was dealing with and he walked into the presence of God isolated. It's after the feeding of the 5,000, before choosing the 12 disciples, before Peter's profession that Jesus was Christ, before the transfiguration, this is where Jesus goes up into heaven. It's the only other time recorded in scripture of glowing like what happens to Moses here in a minute. Before that, he isolates himself and spends time with Jesus. And if you remember, that night he was betrayed on multiple occasions. He goes to spend time with God. He goes to draw near to God. Uh, This is the tough part in all of it though. A friend of mine in college, uh, he wrote a book called Thou Shalt Not. And Jamie, as he's working through this book, he really kind of shows us that there are two major pivotal pieces to our faith. Number one, people will recognize that regardless if you're a Christian or not, people will recognize the cross, right? People understand the cross and what comes with the cross. But the second, probably most known piece to the puzzle of our faith is the Ten Commandments. But if you read the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false testimony. You cannot do, you should not. It's a a rule book of what you can't do. And for some reason, outside of, of this realm of Christian thinking, there's this assumption that God is all about what you can't do. Holding it up like he's the referee that every time you do something wrong, every time there's an infraction, he's blowing a whistle and said, you did it wrong. That's not the God I know. I don't want to lessen the effects of sin on life, but, but Jamie said this in his book. He says, if and when someone views the purpose of the Christian life as a matter of avoiding sin, something has gone terribly wrong. If God is a list of do's and don'ts, you've got it wrong. We've got it wrong. Knowing information about God though good, has nothing on knowing God. Drawing close to God, spending time with God, to see God work, to experience him in this world, to feel God's presence amongst the situations going on, just to be with God. Guys, we were born for connection. We were woven for connection. It doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted, optimist, pessimist, 
Democrat, Republican, wherever you wanna go with that, opposing situations, you're still built into an idea of connection. And that connection needs to be with God first. All right, I'm in three verses and we're already way over time. So we gotta keep rolling. I know, I'm doing the preacher thing. In verse four, Moses carries up the stone that morning just as God has asked him to do. Verses five and six, this is where it gets really, really interesting. Moses actually gets to see and experience God. In verse five, it says, then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, and he passed in front of Moses. That cloud that we read about that's mentioned is no doubt the cloud of glory, which is termed Shekinah, Shekinah glory. That word or that concept just simply means that there is an actual visible manifestation of God that is present with Moses. Like God is with Moses. Pause. God is with Moses. He gets to be in the presence of God. He's spending direct one-on-one correlation time. And this is where it gets crazy because if you go back and you look, you find that Moses in chapter 33 asked to spend time with God, asked to see God's glory. And God very specifically tells him, I can't show it to you because no human can see it and live. So he hides him in the cleft of a rock face, passes by Moses gets to experience the raw presence of God. Oh, to be Moses in that moment. Oh, to know the joy, the surpassing joy. Oh, to get to experience God's glory. It's right there. And as we walk through and we see more, we just have to ask this question. Where have you seen God's presence in your life? Where have you been with God and seen him work? Where have you allowed God's spirit to move in your life to change the current circumstances or to pray bold prayers or to see God come alive in the lives of other people around you? This isn't just a sit down and show up event. This is a go and be the hands and feet of Jesus opportunity. This last summer, every summer we go, but our high school students went to CIY as we would normally do. But this one was different. See, we'd gone through a pandemic. We, we hadn't been able to meet the year prior. It was a lot of situations going on that caused us not to be able to go two years ago. But this last summer, we actually got to go to CIY together. And we spend time together and we're working through the junk in life. It truly is an investment in their discipleship. And I'm watching as God's presence shows up and it is working in the lives of teenagers. And, and I just had to pause for two seconds. I stepped back and I recognized I needed to take a photo in this moment because I needed to remember when God was working. So I captured a moment where high school boys are just surrounding each other, understanding that there's no words to express what they're feeling and what they're walking through because it's the power of the presence of God. My family, we've grown a little bit. In the last uh, seven months, we've become foster parents. And uh, I'm horrible at taking photos. Maybe you guys are with me. Like I'm really bad at putting my life out there on social media. It's mostly just because I'm lazy and I don't like to hit enter, whatever. But 
I love the fact that with my family, I get to watch God work. And if I would have never stepped into, if my wife and I would have never walked into this occurrence, we would not have been able to experience the love that God has for us in these moments. There's a photo of my family. We are out trick-or-treating. I wish I could show them to you. But I can tell you right now, in the midst of a, a couple of littles, in the midst of my son and my wife, I get to experience God's presence on a regular basis. And as, as we've stepped into this world, God has shown up. He's continued to be faithful. He's continued to move mountains. He's continued to do things over and over and over and over again. I got to go to Ireland. Now they call it a thin place. It just means that the spirit is very, very present. I got to walk through Tallymore Forest. I got to stay in, I think they call it the Merlot. I call it Merlot because I can't spell anything right, but whatever. I got to stay in a house where C.S. Lewis got the inspiration for the Chronicles of Narnia. On the property is Prince Caspian's tree. On the property is, is Mr. and Mr. Beaver's house. A crazy looking woven tree thing. It's there. But I was walking as, as the, the water had receded I was walking across the shoreline, looking out, just able to experience God's presence in the moment. You ever looked out the window and seen God's beauty and just felt the weight of how powerful he truly is in a moment? Uh, WWHO is one of our partners. Uh, it's Worldwide Hispanic Outreach in Mexico. And they're doing a fantastic job. But I love being able to watch students uh, transcend barriers, taking students over to Mexico and watching them uh, do things where you, you, you can't communicate because my Spanish is horrible at best. And we're watching them share the love of Jesus through bracelets and through communication and through connection, through body language, through laughter. You watch God show up in the midst of these circumstances. And then on top of a hill, there's a cross and you just recognize that God's presence is over them. And about 10 years ago, I got to go to the Ukraine. We flow in, we flow in, we flow. We flew into Donetsk. And then we rode up to Berdyansk, which just is south of Kiev. I got to watch a people group experience Jesus. I got to watch God show up and manifest himself in a massive way in the lives of the Ukrainian people there. And when I see what's going on in our world today and I hear things that are being said, it doesn't match up to what I watched God doing in Ukraine. We were there and, and a friend of mine, Luke, he's, he's a campus pastor up at Mercy Road. Uh, he was supposed to preach that day. He was. This is me with long hair. Yikes. He was supposed to preach that day, but it just so happens that his left shoulder came out of socket. I know because I had to put it back in place. But it just so happens that his shoulder messed up and he wasn't going to be able to preach Right, And there's all kinds of things that are going on. The gospel looks different in all kinds of places. You got tattoos in the Ukraine, you are a part of the prison system. So I'm sitting there going fully clothed, 
in double clothes and I'm preaching. And as I'm preaching, there's a translator translating it. And it is the most awkward sermons preaching situation. You're like, and Jesus told us, what did he say? She's translating, give it a minute, right? And it, 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 it was probably the worst sermon I've ever preached. But I still watched God show up. Because it doesn't matter how good you are at something, God will still bless it. God will still use it to glorify his kingdom. God will still take your life, good, bad, or ugly, in the midst of everything that's going on in your world right now, and he will change you to match him. I've seen God's presence in many of you in this room. Watching you give up your time, your energy, your talents, your efforts, your finances to spread the gospel. That's what we're called to do. And all of it comes from a heart of drawing near, spending time in God's presence. I watch him come alive in the lives of our students and kids. I'm so impressed by this place. That God can do work. That God can manifest himself and use 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, to make the gospel come alive. It's powerful. There's power in the name of Jesus. I can get an amen for that one, right? This isn't a plug for serving, but I'm gonna say it. There are more people coming in our doors these days that need hope, that need connection, that long for something different than the current circumstances they're in. And maybe that's you in the room, that's totally fine. But hear me say this, I need you guys to step up. We need you guys to show up so that the leaders of our next generation have hope in the name of Jesus because of you. I'm gonna keep going. To say Moses had some experiences with God is an understatement. He got uh, to see the burning bush. He got to experience the 10 plagues. That would have been crazy. He got to watch the, the parting of the Red Sea. God ascending to Mount Sinai. He got to experience God's presence, the tent of meeting where he met with God. And yet in all of those amazing circumstances that we read about in the book of Exodus, it is that Moses in those moments of all of those things that are going on still craves time with God. So let me ask you, I've told you a little bit about my God story. What's your God story? What's God doing through you? How is God using you to shape and change your family? To shape and change your workplaces? To live out the gospel intentionally around the people that we don't necessarily know or spend a ton of time with? How is God using you to write history in the lives of other people. Because that's what he does. He's, he's in the building of people business. He's in the changing and the restoration of people business. And if, if God isn't doing that in your life, can I ask you a question? What's keeping you from having a God story? What's keeping you from stepping into that relationship with him? Now again, we're only in verse eight and I got plenty more verses to go, so we gotta keep rocking. But verse nine through 27 is all God rewriting, right? He's, he, he's rewriting the 10 commandments again. He's calling us to do things like work hard for the Lord. He's showing us the expectation of the covenant rules. He even asks us to celebrate, which I think we should get better at. We gotta get better at some celebration. 
and then Moses through the midst of it, he goes through the hard work. And then verse 29, we see something show up that's really unique and interesting. It says in verse 29, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. He had no idea that he was glowing, right? You'd think that you would understand like, oh, this is different. He had no idea. And I don't know about you guys, but if you're ever around somebody who truly is good at understanding and connecting to God, usually they have no idea either. There are people in your life that invest in you and spend time with you and show you. If you don't have that, invest here because we've got people that can do that with you too. They're unaware that God's presence, God's anointing is on them. But we see this word, the radiant word, it's the word shown. In the Hebrew, the verb, it literally means to shoot forth beams, right? I don't know why, that'd be cool, it'd be awesome. I just wanna be Moses in that moment and glow, it'd be cool. But it's, it's, it's funny to me that Latin was a language for a thousand years. And Jerome, who translated the Vulgate, the Latin Vulgate, he used the noun for the word, just one, one letter off, which actually means horns. So if you look at medieval works of Moses, you'll actually find that there are sculptures, there are paintings, and there are shown pieces that have Moses having horns on his head just because of the difference in translation. This one is Michelangelo that's in Italy. It's interesting to me to see how a translation works, but this is why it matters. It was misinterpreted, that's okay. Regardless of the circumstances that were happening, the people were terrified. In verses 33, it says this, when Moses finished speaking to them, he put the veil over his face. So he came down from the mountain. He didn't recognize he was glowing. There were some situations and circumstances trying to explain that to him. And then all of a sudden, now he's wrought with this idea that he's got to talk to people. So a veil enters the picture. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put the veil on his face. Whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. When he came out and he told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw his face, it was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back on his face until he went to speak with the Lord. Moses, he uses a veil. Covers it over. I always thought that this was because people were terrified to see him. It's interesting to me that uh, Paul actually takes this imagery in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and he explains it out a little bit further. Now, this is his imagery, but this is what he says in verse 12. He says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to pretend the Israelites, or to prevent the Israelites from seeing uh, the end of what was passing away. I'll explain it in a second. Their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, only because in Christ it is taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Check this out. Maybe you've heard this before. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. 
Paul is trying to help us understand the veil. That the the old covenant with God is no longer because Jesus is here. And that unbelievers, their hearts are veiled because they do not see and do not connect with the Jesus that is present in our world today. They do not recognize or spend time with him. Because of that, now we're sitting in a moment where Paul says, because only in Christ it is taken away. And if you remember, there's a veil that's covering Moses' face, hiding the old covenant. Remember, there's a veil that Paul talks about that is now hiding the unbeliever's heart. But if you remember, Jesus dies on a cross. And what's torn in two? The veil. The veil. Making a path to God, an opportunity to draw near. A few things that I want to pull out, uh, pull out, talk about, goodness gracious. Maybe somebody in this room, in this moment, you feel a little dull. You're not sharp. Can I encourage you to draw near to God and to build that out and develop that? In fact, I'll be 100% honest, I, I know there are a few people in this room that desperately need that in their lives today. That desperately need a connection with God. Because when we draw near, it does something to us. It changes us. If you pay attention to understanding how God and, 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 and humanity works, if we draw near, it changes me. It changes my thoughts, right? It changes my attitude. It changes my circumstances. It changes the way that I interact with people. It brings life-sustaining work that goes beyond my ability to even comprehend. It enriches my faith. It changes my heart. It gives me a foundation to live out my life that is surrounded by God with his glory fully shown to the world. I wanna be like Moses that draws near to God and has a connection with him like none other. I wanna have an opportunity to live my life in a way that shows the glory of God to every situation and every expectation, but I'm reminded I'm not perfect. And when I'm not perfect, I recognize that God is. And because of God's perfect love, I have life. And I have the opportunity to live that life on purpose. Maybe you're tired of doing things the way that they've been done. Maybe you wanna change. Start a new relationship with Jesus today. Maybe you're tired of doing things the way that you've always done them and it's time for an opportunity to switch things up just a little bit. Maybe for you in the room, today is a day that it's the first time you say, you know what, Jesus, I'm gonna step into a relationship with you. But for for everybody else in this room, I want you to recognize this too. Drawing near to God doesn't have to wait. It can start today. Maybe this is a good reminder for many of us who have stepped into that relationship with Jesus that it's time to take up our bootstraps and start fighting the fight again, living the life again, drawing near to God again. So this is what I'm gonna ask. If that's something that you want today, we wanna help you make that next step. That's why we're gonna ask you to raise your hand. It might be awkward, it might be different, but this is what I want everybody else to do. I want you to celebrate in this moment. I want us to build this up, to love God for everything that he is and to celebrate the people who are stepping in to a decision to change the way they do things because they would rather draw near to God than do it any other way.
So if that's you today, I want you to raise your hand right now. And if that's everybody else, come on, let's make some noise. Let's celebrate what God is doing in this place and how he lives his life in us and works through us and gives us a chance to be. Moses' life tells a story. It takes us on a journey to see how God interacts with his people. It doesn't stop there. God shows us that if we draw near to him, every single one of us can have a faith journey that is even greater than what Moses experienced because Christ made a way for God to draw near to us, to dwell in us, for us to experience his glory. Let me pray. Jesus, it's all about you. You constantly remind us that there is so much more. You constantly show up in ways that we just don't understand. God, sometimes we don't get it. Sometimes we're frustrated because we can't rationalize, we can't control everything that happens, but yet you still show up in a way, regardless of me stepping in the way, you show up and you bless it. God, will you bless us today? God, will you give us a moment to breathe? Will you give us a chance to draw near to you in ways that we haven't in the past? God, that our families are better because we do. That our relationships, that our dynamics, that our interactions are all changed because of the connection that we have with you, just like Moses. God, we wanna spend time with you on the mountain. And I pray that in this moment, you can give us an opportunity to draw near to you and to see that you continue to do this over and over and over again, and that every one of us has a story to tell. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Good morning, church. That was good. All right, grab a seat real quick. I'll be fast, I promise. And want to welcome everybody still watching at home online. You tend to tune out at this point. Thank you for sticking around. I've got four really quick announcements. First one is not one of the four, but I just got back from Israel. It was awesome. Yeah, super cool. And I can't wait to tell you guys more about it. It was super awesome. Lots of things God did and said to me there. And I just want to stop for a moment. We've done a lot of clapping and just celebrate Andy and Darren who were, spoke while I was going and did a fantastic job, didn't they? Just say thank Last Sunday when Andy was speaking, uh, a lot of the guys around me, I went with a group of pastors and uh, they were all anxiously watching their services to make sure they went good. And I was like, why is everybody anxious? My, I know for a fact my team is gonna do a fantastic job. And so that's job security, I think, right? That, that I'm comfortable that I, they're gonna do great. All right, so four quick things, all right? Here we go. Number one, number one. First, the plain field land. So a few years ago, if you're newer around here, you may not know this, we bought 22 acres of land with the hope to build a second campus. As the world changed, it became clear that building this campus just did not make a lot of sense. So we've been in talks to sell the land. And I'm here to share that all the major hurdles for the purchase have been worked through. We anticipate closing and handing over the property at the end of May. However, before this can happen, we have to have congregational approval. So that means on May 1st, we will have a congregational vote affirming the sale of the Plainfield land. Now, prior to that, on April 3rd, we'll have a town hall where everybody can come and ask any question they want. And someone joked with me and said, does that mean we can't ask any question before April 3rd? Yes, that's exactly, no, I'm just kidding. That's not what it means. It just means if we get asked the same question 15 times between here and there, it's a whole lot easier just to get together. You can ask any question you want. So can we just stop and again celebrate? I know more clapping. Thank God it's gonna sell. All right. I'll tell you why that's a big deal here in just a moment. But the second one, the second one. In the past, we announced that we had proposed the idea of Kingsway Christian School purchasing our building and 70 acres of land. Well, that option did not work out. So we are happy to also formally, officially, publicly announce that this right here is our church home as long as we can see and God can see into the future. So, in other words, Kingsway Christian Church will continue to be located on the corner of 10th and Dan Jones. So that's more good news. And the third one, <laughs> we continue to see God's leading on the best next steps for the land that is west, I think that's that way, of our property. We are looking at several options, including a lot of interest from developers. But we're seeking God and where he's leading. And as God's plan becomes clear, we will keep you updated, announce a congregational vote, and our entire church membership will be part of that decision also. So those are the three big ones. The fourth announcement, I said there's four, is about the town hall. I'll come back and remind you the date and stuff in just a moment. But for those of you who may be newer, some of the stuff you may not have even known was going on. We even had a staff member in a meeting recently go, wait, that was a thing? That's how new that staff member was. So you may not know of any of this. Let me just remind you in case you're new. It may be helpful for you to know that selling the Plainfield land and potentially the land in Avon both align with our five-year vision. So to remind you, we said that we want to reduce our debt by 75% at the end of our five-year vision. That means by the end of 2025, we'll have reduced our debt by 75%. This will position Kingsway Christian Church financially for our future. 
And we've already taken steps to achieve that goal and are selling these assets as well to help get us closer. So just continue to pray for us. As we look out and see what God is doing next, he's moving, he's drawing, he's leading, people are coming, but we have some other goals in mind for God and what he wants to do that doesn't involve just simply going to debt. So we wanna reduce our debt so we can put more money back into the community, more money back into the kingdom. All right, so back to remind you, lastly, again, the elders, the executive team will have a town hall on Sunday, April 3rd. If you could just join us or plan on sending, maybe if you're married, send one of you, if the other one needs to watch the kids, and you come ask any question you want, we will literally stay as long as you want, make sure everybody gets their questions answered. Now, what I wanna do is close us a prayer that God would move with us, go with us, and I wanna pray again for this war in Ukraine. So let's pray for these two things together, ready? Father, we love you, we thank you. We thank you so much for the ways you've been speaking to us, encouraging us. There's so many lessons in the book of Exodus still for us today. And we thank you that, God, we can draw near and have a relationship with you. In the same way that Moses did, God, one man went up on the mountain, met with you, and his face shone like lightning. And we get to have that same kind of relationship. We don't have to stay down the mountain at a distance from you. We could come right into the throne room with confidence, God, and our prayers draw us nearer to you. So God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus who tore open the veil and opened opened up the way for us to come in. And God, I pray right now, as we pray as a church, unified, God, end this war. Stop the suffering. God, surround the leaders of these nations with godly men and wisdom who will speak wisdom into the situation. God, find a way where there is no way. God, I pray for no more lives to be lost, no more death to occur. God, stop it. And I don't care how, but stop it, God. Truly bring peace. And may believers take their part in helping to bring freedom and release, God, to the various people who've um, lost their homes, their lives, their property, their family members, God. May the church all around the world step up. And we love you and we praise you and ask all this together in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Working all things out